today on Understanding Immigration, Biden's mass amnesty. And you know, it's, it's commonly said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Here we are. I mean, this has to qualify as insanity on the greatest, grandest possible scale. It allows the illegal aliens of today to determine the legal immigrants of tomorrow because once they receive that amnesty they can sponsor their family members to come to the united states and of course those family members can sponsor their family members and so on grants a pathway to citizenship pretty much for every every single illegal alien in the united states coming to you from washington dc you are now listening to fairs understanding immigration podcast welcome back to another episode of fairs understanding immigration podcast this is Matthew Tregesser with Fair's Media Shop, and I'm joined as always by Preston Hennikins from our lobbying team and Spencer Raley, our research director. Today, we'll be discussing the concept of amnesty, what it is, President Biden's own amnesty proposal, and the effects that his amnesty could have on the U.S. Now, normally we'd start the episode with more recent immigration news stories, but there's simply too much to talk about with this topic today. We're going to dive right into it and talk about this concept of mass amnesty. So, Preston, let's start off with you. What exactly is an immigration amnesty and what are some concerns with it? So pretty much whenever we talk about an amnesty in the sense of immigration, we're talking about broadly putting illegal aliens on either a pathway to citizenship or just giving them some sort of legal status that ranges from giving them green cards. But also, you know, we we consider uh, DACA, for instance, to be an amnesty because even though the 700,000 or so DACA recipients don't have a path to citizenship, they still have work authorization documents. They have, you know, they have work permits. They're able to attend American universities. They're in no fear of being deported without having committed some sort of felony, um, things of that nature. So in, in that sense, amnesty essentially comes down to giving any kind of legal recognized status to illegal aliens. And we're going to get into this obviously later in this episode, but you know, there, there are obvious consequences to this. Um, you know, we know that in, in many cases, the, especially legislatively, the purpose for giving amnesty didn't really shake up in the end. You know, th- this happened with, with IRCA. And again, I'm not going to get into this right now. We, you know, we're going to be talking about this, but you know, it, it erodes our national laws. We have these laws and we're not enforcing them. You know, then Congress should just have the courage to get rid of them. If citizenship is that unimportant in the sense that it can just be given away to people just because they came here and have been here for a number of years. Um, you know, and that, I think that's really the biggest issue with amnesty. And that's why so many people across the United States don't support it. And that, it really is a strange phenomenon. I mean, I've never over the years looking at this issue, I've never understood, like you said, that it's why reward those who have not only entered the country illegally, but probably are working here illegally as well. And it's, you know, this is a very, very hard to get citizenship. You know, people from all around the world apply every year, get denied, uh, save up a lot of money for it. And it, it's really, it's a, a special thing to acquire. And just to hand it out like that to people that are here who've not only broken federal and immigration laws, it, it's really just bizarre to me. But, you know, Spencer, I, I want to talk to you about this more in depth now. I know you just recently released a really comprehensive report on the history of amnesties. Can you touch on what we've seen historically when an administration or a certain group of lawmakers attempt to actually pass an amnesty? I know in some cases there have been amnesties that have been passed. Other times it's kind of like a proposal, but nothing comes with it. But you know, can you talk about kind of the history with this and what we've seen previously? 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Matthew. And first of all, the title of our report that you mentioned is America Last, How the Biden Amnesty is Worse Than Every Other Amnesty Attempt in U.S. History. And we're not just being hyperbolic here. You know, what we did in the report is we compared the Biden amnesty to essentially every other amnesty or quasi-amnesty that occurred in the United States. You know, like Preston mentioned, we, we've had we've only ever had one real amnesty in the United States, and I'll dive into that in just a second, but there have been a lot of these efforts that weren't, strictly speaking, amnesty by the legal definition, but it served the same purpose. It gave, you know, work authorization such as DACA, it incentivized future illegal immigration by providing protections against deportation. You know, you've seen failed efforts like, you know, the infamous Gang of Eight that occurred in back, I believe, in 2013 that would have given amnesty to a large portion of illegal aliens and in return supposedly would have uh, offered reforms and additional border security, which, of course, there were mechanisms put in place to ensure that the amnesty took happen, but no mechanism to ensure that the uh, additional border security happened. It was kind of a do trust us situation. Right. Uh, but but to touch a little bit on the one actual amnesty that has taken place in the United States, it believe it or not occurred under President Reagan, who put together the Immigration Reform and Control Act, or better known as IRCA, in 1986. And what this did is it offered amnesty to most illegal aliens who met conditions such as e English proficiency or, and, you know, a clean background record. They were never convicted of a felony or, I believe, three or more uh, misdemeanors. And in return, again, was supposed to include a significant increase in immigration enforcement mechanisms, such as additional border security, more border patrol agents, and a crackdown on employers who would hire illegal aliens. Again, this never happened. Once Open Borders proponents got what they wanted, they reneged on their promises to enforce immigration laws and to put measures such as E-Verify into place. Not only that, they fought against any action that ever came to fruition that would deport the illegal aliens that didn't meet the qualification for amnesty. On top of that, that program was completely wrought with fraud, with some organizations, such as the Center for Immigration Studies, estimating that as many as 25% of all applicants had fraudulent information on them. And again, how, how would you put in place a mechanism to ensure that illegal aliens are putting accurate information on their applications? I mean, we don't have a federal database that contains uh, info about illegal aliens that can be used for verification. And since many of these individuals don't have documentation that would show when they came to the United States, for example, or information about their criminal background or you know some sort of verification that they can actually speak a certain level of proficiency of English you know you it, it's it makes sense that you know all you do is throw on some fraudulent information and uh, you know hopefully get your get your amnesty as a result and so this led to a lot of criminals that should have been deported not being deported it led to a lot of people who didn't meet the other basic qualifications receiving amnesty that shouldn't have. And I'd say probably the most high-profile case of this would be when one of the ringleaders of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing 
falsely claimed that he was a seasonal agricultural worker when in reality he was actually driving a taxi cab in New York City receiving amnesty uh, based mm. on his false information. And once he received that amnesty, he started freely traveling uh, outside of the United States to uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, other places in the Middle East to receive terrorist training and then mm-hmm. you know, organize the tragic 1993 World Trade Center bombing. So... These are, while that may be an extreme example, these are the type of things that amnesty can lead to. You know, it, it, it takes away a lot of the safeguards that really make the foundation for why we have regulations and requirements in order to receive citizenship in the United States. Like you mentioned, Matthew, that's a very important privilege, you know, to gain citizenship in the greatest country in the world. And so when we simply start handing it out, not only does it cheapen the value of that citizenship, it takes away a lot of safeguards and at times can even place American citizens in dangers. And if nothing else, what, we, what was just a recurring theme every, with every single amnesty that we looked at is that it's extremely expensive, it costs taxpayers a lot of money, and it costs taxpayers a lot of jobs. And it allows the illegal aliens of today to determine the legal immigrants of tomorrow. Because once they receive that amnesty, they can sponsor their family members to come to the United States. And of course, those family members can sponsor their family members and so on. And that clogs up the legal immigration system so that those who are putting in the time to come here the right way uh, have to wait longer or just can't make it to the United States at all. And I think one of the biggest things too, Spencer, is that it the the amnesties, you know, they never solved the problem. And that was the biggest issue with the Reagan amnesty is that he even claimed he's like, we're signing this today so that we don't have to do this again down the road. And and yet here we are. We have more illegal aliens living in the country now than we did in 1986. It turns out the you know the enforcement measures that that they you know, kind of paraded as being, they said that the I-9 form would completely take away any incentive for employers to hire illegal aliens, which we know is is just completely not true. It's a paper tiger. You pretty much just take the, you know, the, you know, the workers word at, val- at their value and just file it away. You never have to, you know, and that's why you verify is so important is you, you'd have to actually take the I-9 and check it against something because otherwise, you know, you could just give them a blank piece of printer paper and say, oh, here are my documents. And they're like, all right, well, sounds good. We'll put this in your I-9 file and just hope that ICE doesn't come, not, you know, that worksite enforcement, you know, HSI doesn't come knocking on the door. So it's that's the biggest thing is that, they, you know, every every time one of these proposals comes around, it never it's always billed as intending to solve the problem. And it, it never, you know, we know that that is completely not true. We're just going to be doing this same song and dance 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. I mean, as we, as if you just look at the statistics, you see there's some years where maybe a few dozen employers are prosecuted for hiring illegal aliens. It essentially does not exist. And a, you know, there have been a number of reporters that have tracked down some of these false documents and went to the IRS and said, hey, what do y'all do about these? Their response has always been, it's not our job to prosecute that. That's the job of immigration law enforcement. So the IRS isn't going to do anything. 
and you know homeland security and hsi and and you know ice and the rest of the immigration enforcement mechanisms aren't going to do anything what purpose does that serve there is essentially no punishment for hiring illegal aliens so again not only does you know not only did all of these enforcement mechanisms never take effect we basically set the precedent uh for those who are contemplating coming to the united states unlawfully to come here because you know, if enough of us do it, they're going to have to offer another amnesty. You know, I, I'm really glad you guys brought this up. I mean, it's clear that over time, these amnesties really don't bring many positive effects at all to our country. And it's it's kind of the same narrative. It, it really does nothing good. And yet here we are today in, in 2021 doing the same thing. And I want to talk about this, what the same thing is now, which is President Biden has just introduced a mass amnesty proposal to grant amnesty to some 14.5 million illegal aliens. And, you know, it's, it's commonly said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And here we are. I mean, this has to qualify as insanity on the greatest, grandest possible scale. So, Preston, let me uh, direct this to you now. What is involved in this amnesty plan? It was released just recently in February. I mean, from first glance, when I looked this over, I mean, there were some pretty startling details, almost laughable, that this is legitimate public policy being introduced. I mean, I, can you t touch on some of these uh, things in this plan? It, you know, it's a very long bill. So without completely boring the listeners at home, this is essentially what it does. It, it grants a pathway to citizenship pretty much for every, every single illegal alien in the United States. Unless you have three or more serious felonies, you qualify for this. And there, that's, that's an enormous number of people. Even further, it allows illegal aliens that were removed under the Trump administration. So, but, you know, between 2017 and, and January, 2021, anyone that was removed during that time period is able to come back to the United States and, and, you know, potentially receive a pathway to citizenship. And it, but it's what's insane about that proposal as well is that these are people who went through the immigration court system were found to be removable by an immigration judge. They had their day in court, if they had appeals, they failed. And we're bringing them back to start that process over just again. Of all the parts of the bill, I think that is particularly just so outrageous that we, that we would, that we would, you know, on taxpayer expense, you know, bring these people back to the U.S. so they can go through the immigration court system again. But well, I'll, I'll digress. Uh, and then, uh, you know, again, this this also expunges certain criminal offenses that were committed by illegal aliens. You know, we're talking misdemeanors and in some cases, even felonies that involve drunk driving, things of this nature where, again, we we don't expunge, you know, these felonies for American citizens often. You know, it, it, that's a very tortuous process to go through to get something like that erased from your record. But don't worry, our, our government is going to go all in on expunging these records for illegal aliens um, just so they can get on the pathway to citizenship. So it, like you said, Matthew, you know, th this is just insanity. And, and what's what's even worse about this bill is that in, in past attempts, you know, in 2013 uh, and in 2007, there was always an effort to try and balance the amnesty with some sort of enforcement mechanism. You know, in, in 2013, Believe it or not, you know, E-Verify was in that in that legislation, but you know that that was pretty much it. 
And in 2007, you know, there was there was significant expansion of worksite enforcement, all these other kind of things um, that none of that is present in this bill. There is no attempt to to even offer window dressing for border security. And so in that respect, you know, they're, they're trying something different and that they're saying, well, you know, we're just going to, you know, try and force through this amnesty um, and we're not even going to give immigration hawks something to even consider. You know, it's pretty much a, a, just a giant middle finger to anyone that has legitimate concerns about illegal immigration. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's pretty much what the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 uh, is going to do for us. And, you know, I think it's just very telling, uh, and I'll, I'll end on this point, I think it's very telling that this is the priority of the Biden administration and of congressional Democrats who barely have a majority in the House, and it's a it's a tied Senate, um, so Kamala Harris would have to break any 50-50 votes, but this is not legislation that could pass 50-50. You know, they would need to get 10 Republicans to sign on to this, and even some of the, you know, Republican senators that supported the 2013 amnesty proposal, you know, we're talking about Lindsey Graham um, from South Carolina and Marco Rubio from Florida, both of them have already come out and said this is a non-starter. So that that just goes to to show you how crazy this bill is that you you can't even get the kind of the squishy Republicans to to even to even consider it. No, I, I'm I'm really glad you touched on this, Preston. I mean, I, I think it's important for listeners to understand the magnitude of this bill, what's in it. Something we've really never seen in U.S. history in terms of amnesty. I mean, this has really, really gone rogue. And, you know, I, I want to uh, take this to you now, Spencer. Um, going back to the report you just released, you know, you talk about fiscal costs, kind of the expected uh, migration trends that could result from uh, this potential amnesty and you know, just kind of the overall effects on our country uh, with it. Can you go a little bit more in depth here? I know you touched more so on the, on the histories before, but... I mean, if this were to be implemented, what, what could we see? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I think that's important to touch on a little bit is is every piece of information you see on this, whether it's the legislation itself or the campaign points that the Biden administration has put out, states that this would grant citizenship to no more than 11 million illegal aliens. But as we've shown in previous work here at FAIR, there, it's probably more likely that there's about 14 and a half million illegal aliens in the United States. So, of course, you're looking at essentially all of those illegal aliens receiving amnesty with perhaps a very small exception, those that have multiple major felonies, you know, if, if this is passed as written. So, you know, that's, that's the first impact you'll see. You know, we're still in a very very sluggish economy in the United States. You know, not only is the was the official unemployment rate right around 7% at the end of 2020, if you look at what's known as the U6 unemployment rate, which includes those who have given up looking for work altogether or who are only working part-time for economic reasons, it's closer to 12 or 13% of people who are not currently gainfully employed. And so when you just give so many millions of illegal aliens legal status and you know work authorization, what this does is it allows them to start openly competing 
in the jobs markets. You know, they no longer have to work under the table. They no longer have to, you know, stick to certain industries that would typically look the other way and hire illegal aliens instead of U.S. citizens. What you're doing is you're just drastically increasing competition uh, in an already very tight labor market. Another thing that I think most people tend to overlook that's extraordinarily important, and we've already touched on a little bit, is that it'll drastically increase the number of immigrants who enter the United States in coming years. You know, we already talked about how, you know, the illegal aliens uh, that received amnesty during the Reagan administration essentially, in many ways, dictated who came to the United States legally in the coming years. But, you know, according to the federal government, each immigrant to the United States sponsors an average of three point three, you know, three to four additional family members for green cards, you know, in the coming years after they come to the United States. Right now, based on our best data, there are about 13 million adult illegal aliens currently in the country. So if each of those adults, we're not talking about, you know, the total population, just, just the adults who are likely to receive amnesty, you know, sponsored green cards for three or four additional family members, you'd be looking at more than 40 million new immigrants eventually entering the country. And that would effectively double the number of foreign-born individuals living in the United States right now. So that's a massive long-term impact of, you know, this whole issue. Again, as, as we noted previously, it would trigger more illegal immigration. After the uh, 1986 amnesty, we saw the illegal alien population increase all the way up to 9 million in barely a decade, just about 10 to, 10 to 13 years. And since then has increased up to you know, the 14.5 million that we have now. So it's going to encourage more illegal immigration. And you're also going to see an interesting thing that you saw in uh, during, you know, during uh, the, the whole IRCA process is that, and we're already seeing the effects of this, you see a massive surge of illegal aliens that try to enter the United States before this amnesty takes place. That way they can hopefully get in on it. Now, this is supposedly not supposed to give amnesty to those who are entering the country right now, but what's stopping those individuals from creating some fraudulent piece of paper that says, hey, I've been in the United States since 1995 or whatever. You know, you, you see a lot of that, a lot of that fraud take place. And so you're seeing a surge right now of people who are hoping they can take advantage of either this or any of the other pieces of legislation on, you know, regarding this topic that are going, that are going through Congress right now or being issued by executive order from the Biden administration. And finally, I think it's important to focus on the cost. You know, we've, we've looked at the cost of illegal immigration in the past, and it comes out currently to more than $130 billion, which is a massive number. And if you look just strictly at illegal aliens who have found a way to receive welfare benefits, either at the state level, where a number of states uh, offer illegal aliens some sort of welfare, or those who, those who obtain federal benefits fraudulently, you're looking at you know, roughly seven to eight billion dollars in cost already. Now, the average family headed by an illegal alien makes far less of an annual income than family headed by a US citizen. So essentially what you're looking at is all of these illegal aliens are going to qualify or at least the vast majority are going to qualify for some sort of 
federal and state welfare programs. So you're gonna see the costs for those programs going way, way up right away, uh, which again is concerning because you've already seen the cost for some of these programs as much as double and triple due to the economic crisis that we're in right now caused by COVID-19. So we're just gonna add an even heavier burden based on those who are suddenly you know, able and qualified to receive welfare. In the past, in 2007, the Heritage Foundation estimated that an amnesty, if the amnesty that was proposed at that point was passed, the lifetime cost would be over two and a half trillion dollars. And now there are approximately three more, three million more illegal aliens in the United States than there were in 2007. So the price tag of that amnesty has only gone up. And I don't think it's radical to suggest that such a fiscal burden could cripple the U.S. economy during a time when tax revenue is down and costs are up due to COVID-19. Yeah, and Spencer, that's a great point. I actually saw a really interesting article um, that came out of the Center for Immigration Studies a few days ago that was discussing kind of just a back of the napkin calculation. And they kind of came to this this number of over $90,000 for each illegal alien. That would be the cost, the net drain on the Social Security Trust Fund alone. And so if you're able to immediately, you know, for all these millions of people to benefit from Social Security down the road, you know, that could cripple Social Security, you know, unless there's some sort of legislative change to the way that we administer that program, which is, ex you know, extremely unlike entitlement, entitlement changes are, are, you know, pretty much a dead end in Congress that that could cripple Social Security. I mean, we already know that Social Security is running out of money um, without these additional 14 and a half million people that I mean, that is a, a huge cost. And it's like you said, it's not it's not outrageous to ask, you know, what are we going to do about this? You know, if this is really the path that we're going down, that Congress is going down, you have to take into account the monetary and fiscal costs that this is going to have. Right. So, I mean, what, what do you guys think about this proposal in general? I mean, obviously there's a lot into it. There are serious ramifications that could result from it, but does it have a legitimate chance of being implemented? I mean, it's, I've heard a lot of different opinions about this. Perhaps that it's more of a messaging type of thing. Maybe it'll get broken into smaller bills to, for it to be uh, passed more easily. But should we fear of this actually being implemented or is this kind of like, you know, it's, it's all show but no go? So I think we there are really kind of two possibilities here uh, because Biden and his congressional allies have made it clear that they want to do something related to immigration in this Congress and particularly they say in the first 100 days, which is coming up, but who knows? So this bill cannot pass in its current form without nuking the filibuster in the Senate. And if you're, I think if you're Chuck Schumer, I don't think that this is the bill that you nuke the filibuster over. I think that politically is extremely fraught. You know, it's not as if this enjoys, you know, 90% support in polling or, you know, th this is very much a bill that you, you know, there, there's really no gray area. You're either extremely against it or you're, you know, voraciously for it. So I don't think that's likely. I, I don't think, um, for one, I don't think Schumer has the votes to nuke the filibuster regardless. I think that both Manchin and Cinema in his caucus have said they will not vote to remove the filibuster. So the possibility of this passing on its own is very unlikely. 
On the other hand, and this is what we are really particularly worried about, is that congressional Democrats are going to take certain parts of this bill and try to pass them individually, which becomes very tricky because there are a number of Republican senators particularly who would vote for some of these proposals on their own. For instance, any kind of legislative fix for DACA, for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that is going to at least bring some Republicans to the negotiating table. And what we're particularly concerned about is that there would be a legislative fix for DACA and nothing in exchange. And that's where it's important for Republican senators to come to the table and say, look, we are willing to negotiate on this for this po- this population of 700,000. Um, and I know that, you know, the Democrats, I think, have always kind of had a number in their head of about 3 million. So that's more of like a DACA plus the people that probably qualified for DACA but never bothered to actually apply. But even then, that's that's three million. That's not fourteen and a half million. But you know, if you're a Republican senator, you have you have to fight for some sort of enforcement change, whether it's mandatory e-verify phased in over five years for all employers, whether it's changes to asylum so that we don't continue to have these surges at the border. You you cannot just pass individual parts of this bill on on its own. Another thing that's going to attract a lot of attention from Republicans, I think, are individually tailored fixes for the TPS pot for temporary protected status. You know, again, people that have been here for decades, it's, you know, it's regardless, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a, you know, it's a terrible policy, but it, you know, they've been here, right? You know, the people, it's a sympathetic population to an extent. So, Again, and we cannot emphasize this enough, Republicans have to, if they are negotiating, they have to negotiate with enforcement changes in mind as a trade-off. And and so that's, again, and I'll, I'll end my remarks here, is that that's our biggest concern, is that once you start breaking this up, there's going to be Republicans that look at this and think, well, maybe this isn't so bad. Um, you know, we can pass parts of this, but but that would be a, a huge mistake. And I think it would be really a missed opportunity to really have some sort of meaningful immigration reform in the sense of uh, either tightening up enforcement or changing our asylum laws. Right. And my theory on this is simply that the Biden administration wanted a place to start. And so what they did is they just put out the entirety of the wish list of their administration, the far left. That way, once it is chopped up into smaller pieces, like Preston just noted, they can say, hey, look, we compromised, you know, unity, yay, and, and kind of spin it into a positive. And also, of course, the stance of fair is we would we would love to see no amnesty be offered. You know, there, there's going to be, even with trade-offs, there would be significant negatives that would hurt the American people. But just to emphasize again, the biggest concern here is that if these get broken into small pieces that, you know, some Senate Republicans feel like they could digest and handle, you're going to end up with kind of a piecework, patchwork amnesty that could, you know, entail 20% of this bill or 50% or or whatever with absolutely no trade-offs. And, you know, like Preston mentioned, that would be tragic. That would be kind of a sneaky way to pass an amnesty without having this massive 
bill that is very easily torn apart. So I, I think in some ways this isn't a, oh, let's see if we can just pass everything. I don't think they ever expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, as it stands, even I, I don't think you could get 50, you know, even if this was, you know, a, situ, uh, a situation where they only need a, a majority vote, and it's not. I don't think you could get the 50 votes on it. You know, like we mentioned, Cinema yeah, and Mansion, yeah, I, I think, agree. would very I likely I don't not think vote. Mansion and Cinema would vote for this. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't want to vote. They wouldn't want to vote for this, you know, at all. You know, filibuster aside. And so, in some ways, I think it, you could say that this was a tactical decision, you know, mm-hmm. to start here. Because if you start with the version you think is going to pass, you always have to expect there to be debate and for there to be parts of the bill taken out and, you know, scrapped and that sort of thing. So, I think we need to be, you know, careful not to think, oh, wow, the Biden administration is just being stupid and idiotic. I think in some ways... They they want this to be you know to turn into something where they can pass their favorite points and say wow look y'all need to vote mm-hmm. for this because we're compromising you know we're we're compromising in the name of unity and whereas in reality what they're doing is proposing something that on its own is still radical and extremely damaging to the American public but when compared to the original bill looks like something that's you know far less problematic. You know, your, your opening hand, your opening offer is always as large as it can be. It includes as much as you want. And you almost expect the other side to do that as well. And so I think it's important when and if Republicans come to the negotiating table on some of these smaller piece by piece approaches, I think Republicans need to be unified in what they want. And I think the easiest and probably the least controversial to get all the Republicans behind would be phased in E-Verify. And I think that is a very fair trade-off. In ter- Personally, I'm not, I'm not speaking for fair as an organization right now. I'm speaking for myself. I think that is a very fair trade-off for a DACA plus. And I, you know, I think that that would, ha- that is a, a very equal footing, but my fear is that Republicans would come with nothing and would just be like, oh, well, you know, yeah, we we agree with DACA, so we'll pass it in exchange for absolutely nothing. And like you said, Spencer, then, you know, Biden and his team and congressional Democrats have gotten what they wanted all along. They get to check off a campaign promise and and move right along. Yeah, and E-Verify has to be a starting point for any of this because E-Verify, you know, as long as it's enforced properly, and there has to be mechanisms in any kind of negotiation to ensure that it is, will help. It will take away the single largest incentive for illegal immigration, and that'll help solve the issue over the long term. You know, if it's if it's just not worth it for employers to pay the five dollars less an hour to hire an illegal alien versus a, a, a you know someone who's in the country with work authorization, then they won't do that. And without employment prospects. The vast majority of, of you know illegal aliens are not going to want to come to the United States, or they're going to want to put in the time and effort to come in a lawful manner. So a trade-off like that, while again it may not be ideal, and that you get e-verify without any kind of amnesty attached, you're at least putting in some sort of mechanism to help solve the problem in the long term as a trade-off. I was going to mention too, you know, what if the what if the Biden administration's ideas well we don't even want trade-offs we know that this bill is so radical 
that Congress is going to outright reject it and we'll blame that on them. You know, if our, uh, <laughs> our, our base is saying, hey, you know what? Uh, the Biden administration promised us in, in their campaign to give us pathway to citizenship, all, you know, all these crazy ideas. And then Biden can say, look, I tried and, and Congress didn't uh, vote on this. It didn't come to help. Sorry, that's out of my hands. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't that's know if that's... A, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, he... He could just wash his hands of it and say, well, you know, we tried because um, you have to think, you know, even from Biden's own perspective, they still haven't passed a lot of his main, you know, they still haven't gotten a COVID bill through. They still haven't sent out checks or, you know, there's a lot of promises that he he made in the first hundred days. And as as we approach, you know, I think it's April or whenever, it, you know, the, t- the clock is ticking and at some point. Members are going to look at him at his, you know, White House and say, we are not touching immigration before the midterm. Yeah. Um, and so in, yeah. I think to that extent, Matthew, you're right. He's he's introduced the bill. He's held up his end of the bargain. It's you know, it's up to Schumer and Pelosi to, to try and do something with it. But if they can't because they're too involved doing these other, you know, he, he made so many different, you know, obviously, there were, you know, the White House is worried more about other issues aside from immigration. Yeah, it might, the, the clock might just run out and they say, well, you know, we did our best. We'll try again. <laughs> In some ways, we, we would appreciate that because that would mean that no amnesty gets passed and no piecemeal yeah, exactly, amnesty exactly. gets passed. Of course, we may miss out on some of the trade-offs we'd hope for, but, you know, that would... That would be a definite silver lining. And like you mentioned, Preston, there are other issues that the Biden administration wants to focus on. And if you look at recent public opinion polling, things like a stimulus package, COVID relief, those sort of things poll a lot higher with the general public than offering amnesty to illegal aliens in a difficult economic time. And so, yeah, it would not surprise me at all if, especially with some of the more recent public opinion polls that came out that showed it is even less popular than what the campaign initially thought back in 2020 or even the pre-COVID era, you know, it would not surprise me at all if they would want to at least temporarily shift to some of these other issues that are going to play better with their base because no president wants to essentially throw away that honeymoon period that they get, you know, a higher tick in public opinion. They're going to want to pass their most popular reforms. So if that happens, I think that would be a win for the American people. You know, no amnesty occurs, at least for now. And I think as you get closer to the midterms, it's going to be harder for them to pass an amnesty because that is easy fuel for you know republican candidates and for you know really any anti-amnesty candidate to take to the american people and say hey look i would not support something this radical that would do nothing but hurt your your economic prospects i was going to say spencer uh, i'm glad you brought that up because uh in the media there's this uh democrat he's in the house his name is vincente gonzalez and he sits in a district along the texas mexico border and he actually has publicly declared basically saying this is is his quote right here he goes the way we're doing it right now is catastrophic and is a recipe for disaster in the middle of a pandemic so here's a guy who's not only an elected uh official he's a democrat and he's literally someone who lives in like the front lines down there saying look like look there this is just a complete disaster right now we can't be having this and you guys mentioned you know there are other priorities that probably should be addressed more than this massive bill and you know i'm sure that if vincente is thinking this, I'm sure a lot of Democrats are thinking the same thing, too. Yeah, you really are. I mean, another example would be uh, 
you know, Representative Kohler, who has also come out and, you know, said that this will be problematic, that it's it just goes too far. You saw some senior advisors within the governor of North Carolina's office come out and express concerns as well. This isn't just a Republican versus Democrat issue, as we've touched on already. As it stands, you know, this thing, I don't, I don't see any chance in the world it would ever pass in the Senate. I'm not convinced it would you know, have an easy path to victory in the Democratic-controlled House. You know, after you know, after this they'd previous have, election, they have to whip it pretty seriously. Exactly. Yeah, I you think know, there'd be because what is it? They only need, I think, like five, eight, maybe people to say, "Hey, we're not." T-, you know, I'm and we've I'm already voting present, or I'm not. I'm voting. Yeah. <laughs> and we've already seen you know two or three come out and say, "Man, I'm really concerned about this." You know, uh, so you know if they're thinking it. Others are probably thinking it as well. So it, it has difficult prospects overall. And I think it is. I think that's a great point, Matthew. I think it's important to note that this is not just a strictly Republican versus Democrat partisan issue. You know, it goes way beyond that. Wow. I really wish we could talk more about this, but that's all the time we have today. Uh, we hope all of you enjoyed today's episode and learned more about immigration amnesties uh, and President Biden's recent proposal for mass amnesty. As a reminder, we'll be releasing a new episode every other Monday, so look out for those episodes. Um, And these episodes are available on most platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, They're also on our website at fairus.org. Also on our Twitter, uh, you can find our handle at at fairimmigration to access episodes. So please spread the word. We enjoy doing this. We want to educate you guys more on what's happening under the Biden administration with immigration. And until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration presented by Fair.